Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with master coach, author, speaker, scholar, artist, and seeker, the great Dr. Max Clow. He is a master coach with a Harvard doctorate in leadership. As a coach, he guides clients through the inner workings of transforming their way of being. This deep work goes beyond goal setting or skill building to shift the innermost way that we show up in the world. It's about purpose, integrity, and shifts in consciousness that allows us to see ourselves with a new clarity and insight. We cover a lot of ground. His insights and stories are stellar. Enjoy this interview. It's great to meet you. Thanks for taking a minute out. And I want to begin our conversation with... We're coming up on the four-year anniversary of this pandemic. How did you get through the pandemic, and how did it subsequently change you? Wow. Uh, I mean, a lot of Zoom. You know, I do work um, around political leadership development, trying to invite servant leaders to discern within themselves whether they feel called to step up and serve through politics. And a lot of our programs had been in person, but we really quickly pivoted to let's let's make it all virtual and then we also said how you know how can we be most of service in this complete kind of cataclysmic change of things and so we created these uh resilient spaces for kind of different groups of people and they really found it valuable so we did just a lot of holding space for people so that they could connect with each other and and uh feel a little less alone through all those things and fortunately, my kids did okay. They were they were able to kind of make it through doing Zoom school. So I feel like we got through pretty lucky. So you are a master coach. You're an author, speaker, scholar, artist. There, there, there's so many things that go into who you are. But let's boil this down to its essential elements. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders. It's career day. And one of the kids says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? You know, one thing I like to say is I I invite servant leaders to confront their shadow. Uh, so people who really care about helping other people and trying to make good things happen, I help them turn inwards and really understand their whole selves, which part of that is is understanding. There's parts of us that we don't really like, but we have to recognize they're there. You know, I'm not sure every third grader will understand it, but uh, right. but that's the way I like to think about what I do. But it's interesting because you hear a lot of people that are qualified or have the moxie for getting into politics. and They're like, no, I don't want to do it. I'm not getting involved in that world. I can't do it. So oh, yeah. when you say chasing your shadows or, 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 or looking at a part of you that maybe you didn't see, how do you convince somebody to get to that point? Or what, what is the success rate of you convincing somebody that that should be the world they should enter? Well, one thing I learned in the process of figuring out how to do this is you can't convince anybody of anything. Uh, what you can do is is frame a frame an experience and create a space and invite them with genuine sincerity, invite them into a, a reflection discernment experience where they will be have a chance to really think about some, you know, kind of simple but profound questions about who are they and why do they serve and what's their mission and that sort of thing. And also part of that is is what's your shadow, which is kind of, if you're not living your mission, what, what are you and, and how are you being in the world? And, yeah. you know, part of Carl Jung, who wrote a lot about this was if we, if we haven't looked at this, then it ends up influencing us beyond our awareness. So, you know, what I found is if you're really sincere about the invitation and recognizing nobody can be forced or compelled to do work they don't want to do, I found a lot of people are willing to uh, step across the threshold and, and explore this stuff together. So, before we leave the third grade world, what did you want to be when you were in the third grade? What was your dream? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it's funny because I have a twin brother who knew when we were in kindergarten that he wanted to be an actor. And I really 
never knew it was it was really something i really struggled with was i just didn't know what i wanted to be when i grew up and i spent many years just struggling with how do you how do you find your purpose when you don't know what your purpose is and through years of that i ended up getting to this place where i learned a lot about my own journey and turned around and have been helping other people find their way through that kind of inner that inner process of of finding the the purpose that is within them so it was actually it was a, it was I felt cursed by it early on, and then as these things happen, your, your your greatest struggles become your gifts, and it's helped me do what I do in the world now. You know, it's interesting. You know, I come from jazz radio, and Miles Davis said that you know it took him decades to find his voice. It takes people decades on their instrument to find their actual voice. Yeah, and it's so true because sometimes you just have to sift through everything to find the gold in the in the in the bucket. You know. It's, yeah, and there's a lot of unlearning. There's definitely a yeah. point where you have to let go of all kinds of things that society told you you had to do and expectations and you know that's part of the work too i was thinking about that movie with jim carrey sunshine on the spotless brain where he mm, had to mm -hmm. try to force that forgetful nature of things yep so let me ask you this how did you get to this point talk to me a little bit more about where you were born and raised and what were the seeds because you're not you're helping people you're you're not just going to a job you're actively giving yeah. and how do you parlay that in between giving and then edifying yourself as a human. Yeah, well, I love that you have the arts too. So I grew up in Hartford, outside of Hartford, Connecticut, uh, one of five kids. My parents, my dad was a pilot, uh, and which was his childhood passion was to fly planes. And my mom was kind of a semi-professional actress. And so both of them kind of modeled, do, do what you love and don't ever let your creativity uh, stop, you know, you gotta, you gotta honor that in yourself and five kids. We all went in very different directions. There's a judge and a social worker and an actor and, uh, um, uh, just a lot of different possibilities out there. And, but also a lot of service. My parents were just always being of service to their communities, you know? Um, and so I grew up out of that. And the only thing I knew when I graduated college, the only clarity I had was I wanted to serve. I felt like I'd had a very privileged, fortunate upbringing and wanted to find some way to give back. And I found a 10-month service program in Israel working with um, kind of high-need kids, tutoring English and and running after-school programs. And it was the happiest I'd ever been. And I ended up going on to do four different service programs. And then I worked at an AmeriCorps program for 10 years and then seven years at an organization bringing servant leaders into politics. So just I, I found that service was home base and uh, kind of built a career around that. So who's been a hero, a role model for you in your life? Wow. Love these questions. You know, the first thing that comes up is Michael Brown and Alan Casey are the two founders of City Year. And they just kind of said, we're going to prove that national service is an idea that can work. And so they started this little pilot and Bill Clinton came to see this little pilot in Boston. And on the basis of that, he decided to create AmeriCorps. That was a funding stream that now has, you know, 80,000 young people a year doing service. That's just a very inspiring story. Yeah, And I've been very influenced by uh, Ron Heifetz, who's the leadership theorist who I took his classes, classes changed my life. And so his work around adaptive leadership was life changing. Yeah. You know? So I'll stop there. Well, so let me ask you this. As an author, what was the first book that you read when you were growing up that really made a profound impact on you? I love these questions. Nobody Good. ever asked me these things. So the <laughs> the book I clearly remember as being like a first really meaningful book was Watership Down, 
which I read, I think, in fourth grade, which is this book about rabbits. You know, uh, it's probably 500 pages. Part of what I remember was it was like the longest book I'd ever read at that time. And only later did I realize that it had been written based on Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey, which in my adult life has become absolutely essential. I encountered it when I was around 36. It completely changed my entire life. And so it was it was amazing to read that that Watership Down had actually been based on that. So that was a first. And I also remember uh, uh, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Yeah. Was, you know, another book that really, I didn't fully get it when I was a kid, but I was yeah. just like, there's something about this that is really compelling. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this. What's the best advice that you've ever gotten? I know you have to give good advice to people, but what's the best one that you ever got? I feel like my message is always pay attention to your inner life because again and again, you're going to face choice points and everybody who loves you is going to have opinions. But again and again, you're just going to have to turn inwards and say which path is most aligned with who I really am. And you know, I was a very high achieving person. I excelled in school. I went to undergrad on a scholarship and you know and I, I know personally it is possible to be high achieving and have no clue who you are you can get very good at jumping through all the hoops that everybody puts in front of you and telling you what to do and not really understand who you are when you're not just fulfilling others expectations and so part of my work has been especially you know for me the ages of 21 22 like that you know emerging adulthood coming out of college was really a moment where for me, I felt like the the sidewalk ended and the socially expected path ended. And I was like, what am I supposed to do now? And um, I just wish somebody had been a little clearer with me of, you really have to know who you are and yeah. turn inwards and pay attention. Yeah. So of all the people on the planet right now, if you could meet one person that you find fascinating, spend some time with them, who would that be? What a question. Um, I mean, the first thing that comes up is Barack Obama, who is somebody yeah. I just respect tremendously and and uh, fascinated with what he's doing with his post presidential power and and the things he's doing around media and youth development, and that is uh, somebody I'd be happy to have dinner with. Yeah. Um. And listen, I, he's not around, but Joseph Campbell changed my life. Yeah. Um And if I could sit down and have a talk with him. That would be a dream. Yeah. Yeah. We could open the door up to ghosts. So let me ask you this. Every day you wake up, what is it that impels you to be you, to evolve and to do the work that you do? What is the ultimate motivator for you? I've really found that the only way I have spiritual peace is to live in service to others. And part of that is I'm a husband and a father. And, you know, it's very clear that being responsible in my family and and uh, being present to that is a big part of it. But then also in my work, I've just found um, I don't have crazy angst about what I'm doing with my life. If I wake up and and of service to others and help others people find their own path and fill their potential, and so you know it's become a little less you know exactly what's the impact in the world and a little more am I having integrity with the way of being that I know gives me the sense that I'm on my path. Yeah. You know, you seem to have a good bead on, you know, like being a part of the process of helping people get to the place that they need to be in their lives and and helping them. 
what's your sense right now? We hear all these dire headlines about what's going on in the world. Do you feel like there's a level of us that's entering an age of enlightenment in this post-COVID period with all these things that we went through with George Floyd? There was all these social things that were kind of brimming that were ignored until we were all at home for months and months and months. But now that we're out and things have been reignited, do you sense that we're entering a level of enlightenment as humans? You know, I've heard people say, it's not clear whether we are in the darkness of the womb or the darkness of the tomb right now. And and I personally think it's not like out there and preordained. Each of us has a role to play in tipping the world in one of these directions. There is no doubt a whole lot of old ways of thinking and a whole lot of uh, institutions and structures are just failing and falling apart. They no longer work for us. The question of whether that means we're going to kind of permanently regress in some horrible way or break through to some higher consciousness that transcends the, the the ways of thinking that are creating this mess that's on each of us each of us has a, a role to play you know and I, I get i've learned that just being angsty about what the future is going to bring is not as productive as just focusing on this in this moment yeah am i part of the you know helping helping things evolve in a productive constructive way it all, it's almost kind of like the waiting for godot there's a there's a level of existentialism that goes into it just you know kind of grab it and move forward you know um yeah and each of us has our own personal responsibility to evolve you know yeah. we, we we can get stuck in grievance and rage and uh, and and anger and the polarization that is just tearing us apart or we can um do our own work to find our own wholeness and our own path of service that brings our own gifts to the world in a way that honors the interconnectedness of all things and yeah. so each of us kind of has that choice in front yeah. of us. So obviously having an adventurous spirit, if we get off this call and a time machine pulls up in front of your house and you can go to one place in history and see one moment in time with your own eyes, where are you going? You know, what comes up is it'd be fascinating to go 100 years ahead and just yes. see how we did. Yes. You know, either totally. either to see how we did it or to learn what we can avoid. Yeah. To, you know, um, that's what that's what comes up for me. And and I, I always find that particular answer fascinating because in our lifetimes, and we're probably akin in the same age realm, there has been so much advancement in so many things. And it's so fast and, and it's getting faster. Yeah. We've gone from dial up modems to this unbelievable cloud computing AI generated world. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. You know, yeah. um, you know, I had so a time where I, I felt out of, I was in the wrong time. I was not meant to live in a world that was so fast and yeah, crazy. But then I realized we need the ancient wisdom. We need the old um, mythic stories and truths yeah. more than ever. Yeah. And there's work to be done to find ways to make them relevant again. So you know, it's not like returning in in a time machine to some beautiful past. It's how do we take all the, that wisdom that got us to here yeah. and find the most important parts to guide us into the next stage. Well said, and and, and I like that notion of like the antiquity, the, the the older thought. I mean, I've I've stood in the pantheon and I've looked at the the circle mm. and mm -hmm. wondered how they did it, and people yeah. always wonder and marvel. There wasn't the distractions. There was a level of like like pure thought. 
of just, you know, reading a book if you want to, not being distracted by moving pictures and all of these things. Yeah. I mean, we're assailed with thousands and thousands of decisions every single day with what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. It's daunting. But I think there was a level of simplicity. There was a level of of elevated thought that was different at that time. Yes, but there was also a consciousness of, you know, if you go back to ancient Greece, there were emperors, there was, you know, women had no rights, there were slaves, yeah. there were like, you know, so uh, I agree, like, there's been an assault on our attention. And for folks who haven't read, you know, Stolen Focus, and there, there's a whole world of books about how these tech companies, they know exactly what they're doing. They're yeah. they're stealing our attention to keep our eyeballs so they can make money, you yeah. know, and I do agree, that would have felt different. But I'm not sure I would want to return to the yeah. kind of level of social consciousness of that yeah. era. And know? even medical cover, the way medicine was delivered, there was a lot yeah. of things. I mean, we are, yeah. you, you hear that every once in a while that like right now in this time that we're living in, wow, what a time of, you know, increased age and health. And uh, there's just so many things that go into it, you know? Um, I mean, even being a kid to the eighties and just imagining that, you can see people through FaceTime and all that. That was a pipe dream. That was absolutely you know? science fiction. Absolutely. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was Ray Bradbury. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, let's say you have a dream tonight. You run into the 20-year-old version of you, and you could give that young version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life. What advice would you impart on that young version of you? I would look him in the eyes and say, you can trust yourself. And... It's going to work out if you stay true to who you are and you will stay true to who you are. Um, and I've come to realize like all kinds of things happen. You know, who was it? Mark Twain had this thing of the, there was all these terrible things in my life, most of which never happened. Yeah. I, I, when I think about how much angst and stress I had about stuff that just didn't happen. And that was kind of my way of being in the world. You know, I would go back and say, relax yeah. and, and you can trust yourself and Absolutely. everything you need is in you and it's going to be okay. Yeah. What's been one of your favorite success stories as, as a professional? Well, you're catching me. I, I just left my job at new politics and just started a new job at a place called higher ambition leadership Alliance. That's doing leadership development, um, in the, in the, in the private sector and also in healthcare and, uh, we're going to be doing all kinds of exciting things, but you know, seven years at New Politics was about can we bring more servant leaders into politics? And part of what we did was having them do mission statements. And we had, you know, when I left, there were over two thousand people who had gone through our programs, and there are now people in Congress and mayors of cities and state legislatures who they think about their mission in their shadow, and they operate with this consciousness of I have to be awake to this inner work within myself if I'm going to hold power and not be corrupted by it. And um, I'm just proud of that. That yeah. is, uh, I feel good about that contribution. And and knowing that there's going to be more people going through these programs and that movement's going to grow is very satisfying. So when you look at the timeline of your life and all the things that you've done and become and overcome, what are you the proudest of? You know, there was about 10 years where, man, did I feel lost, like my 20s. And I, I was like taking trips around the world and, and getting fired from jobs and doing temp work. And like uh, it just in the moment looked completely chaotic and lost. But then about 10 years later, I kind of it literally felt like walking out of the forest and realized I'd walked in a straight line. Like yeah. 
it all, everything made sense and lined yeah. up. And, um, and there are definitely parts where I, it was it resi resisting kind of what was socially expected of me. And, and I never kind of chose the easy path of conformity. And so when I look back, I feel like it's been, it's been a life of integrity and I hope yeah. to continue that. So at the end of the day, everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I mean, I, I really think I have cultivated a way of being that is of service in the world. And it's, uh, you know, I've just more and more evidence that it's, it's just become my essence and, yeah. Uh, I don't know how people will perceive me. There's, you know, uh, I can't control it. All I know is, um, I have, I, I show up and try to be of service and that's authentic and I yeah. just want to keep it that way. So Max, if anyone wants to reach out, learn more about you, anything, the good business, where can they go? Yeah, maxcloud.com, M-A-X-K-L-A-U.com. And, you know, you can read about my book there. I'm also a coach and do consulting and and also my music. I have my band, the Max Cloud Band, Folk Rock. You can check yeah. out that there. So everything I do is on my website at maxcloud.com. Final question. What's the best concert you've ever seen in your life? You know, I saw Stevie Wonder a couple of years ago, and I, I, I think he could bring world peace. I oh, think man. if everybody just it. gathered and listened to Stevie play for a little bit. We'd that would be, be done it. with wars and, and, and everything. Amen. That yeah, was fantastic. Amen. Max, this has been refreshing. I'm so glad I ran into you. Thank you, sir, for your time. Thanks, Thank Joe. You for your service. Best of luck with everything. Back at you. Be well. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Hey.